Well, thanks for coming. Um, we are still in Joshua, and we're going to be in Joshua chapter 23, and it's towards the end of Joshua's life. So, if you would think for a minute, if you were at the end of your life, what kind of advice would you give to people? Follow the Lord. That's great advice. What did Denver say? Don't smoke. Well, that is good advice, right? Because sometimes we do things and we know they're bad for us. And then we don't, we don't understand, you know, we think we know, or we think we're going to be all right. And then we get to the end of our life. And we're like, man, that was a bad choice. And so we try to tell people, right? Um, and, and that's really where we're going to start. That's, I, I asked that because this is where we are with Joshua is we're at the end and they have, they have, according to what God told Joshua, you know, they're in the promised land. And so they're dividing up the land where everybody's going to live. Each tribe had their own place where they were going to live their own parcel of land that God had given them in the, in the promised land. But Joshua's at the end of his life. And he's at that point where he realizes that, right? He's, he's over 100 years old. He's 110 when he dies. So he's fairly old. Remember, it was Joshua and Caleb are the only two from their generation that made it to the promised land. So there are other people, and they're older, right? But they're, some of the oldest ones are still going to be 20 or 25 years, probably younger than Joshua himself. But Joshua in this um, is going to admonish the people and hoping to remind them of what, what God has done for them, what they need to do, and then the promises that God holds for them in the future. So we're in Joshua 23, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. So Joshua 23, starting in verse 1. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua, Joshua was old advanced in years that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes, with all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. The Lord your God, he will thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you, and you will possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. And so Joshua is trying to emphasize to the people and let them know, you know, first of all, that it's God who's been doing all of this, right? So that they know it's not them and it wasn't their bright idea and and their hard work right they had to do their part but really god is the one who you know way back when he promised abraham that he was going to give them this land that god is fulfilling through with his promise and and he wants to do this as a good leader right because he understands his people just like god understands us right and and what are some of the failings that we have as people what what do we tend to do Sin, yes. How, how, what's, the pro, what's the progression of that? We do. And that, that's one of the things that we do is when things start going really well, 
we start to forget about God, right, and needing God because things are going well. And we start to think how good I am and how good a planner I am and how this is all working out so well because I did everything really well, right? Well, in reality, God gave you the experience and the knowledge and the resources to do the things that you're doing, right? And so we need to remember to do that. So he knows that they they may forget that, right? And we've seen that all along as we followed the Israelites as they, you know, were led out of slavery and they crossed the Red Sea and then they made it to the promised land and then they didn't get to come in the promised land because they weren't faithful, weren't obedient. Um, and all of these things is that we as a people have this tendency to forget the bad things in the past, right? And, and we forget what God has done for us. Many times as people, you know, it's not, what did God do for me yesterday? It's, what are you doing for me today, God? And, and, and we worry then too about, what's going to happen tomorrow, right? And, and we all in some form or fashion are guilty of this, right? We're, we're maybe not happy with, with what we have now, so we want more now instead of sitting back and realizing God knows us and loves us, right? He knows each and every one of us, and he knows what we need, and he supplies what we need. It's not always what we want, but he gives us what we need. So Josh was trying to help them understand that, that God has done this for them and that God will continue to do this, right? So... At this point in Israel's history, they've conquered the land, right? They've pretty much taken over and everybody's where they're supposed to be, but it's not all the way completely finished. So there still are some of those tribes that are not Jewish that are still, there's still pockets of those in the area. And so this is a danger sign for Joshua and he knows about that and he wants to warn them about that as well. And so Joshua is telling them that they need to be vigilant, right? You know, and, and he's telling them that God is still going to be there and he's going to help them. But he's going to continue to warn them and help them, try to help them understand better that they need to recommit themselves to the Lord. They need to really study and follow the law and they need to do what God is telling them to do. And so we'll pick up in verse 6 and I'll read verse 6 through 13. Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you, and as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God, for if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. And so Joshua is telling them they need to be obedient, that things are not completely done, right? There are still things they have to accomplish, that they're not all the way done with what God is wanting them to do, and that they can't, 
they can't get lazy and they can't just start, you know, depending on God's just going to do everything for us. They still have to do the things that God's calling them to do. So in, in looking this, you know, there, there are three things that, that the lesson talks about. It's, you know, essentially Joshua is telling them they need to be loving. You know, they need to love God. They need to be loyal to God and they need to be obedient to God. And those are those three things that he's telling them. This is really what you need to do because we're not completely finished yet. And so what, what are some of these things that um, Joshua told them they need to do? They, they need to not fellowship with the other nations. And specifically, he says to not intermarry, right? So they're, they're, if, they're, if they are there and they're living with them, what tends to happen when you're right there next to each other? And right and teenagers right what do teenagers do they want to go date this one over here they want to fall in love with this right and and that's a, a natural human that's what we as humans in our flesh that's what we're going to want to do right i mean when mom and dad say don't do this what's the first thing we want to do what they told us not to and that's our sin nature right that's our flesh saying you know, it, it's pride and not willing to submit, right? So God put authority over you. As a child, when you're growing up, it's your parents, right? As adults, God is our authority over us. God also puts other authorities over us in our lives here on earth, right? I mean, if, if you have a job, you've got a boss. You know, here in the church, we have church leadership. Um, you may belong to an organization or a group that has someone who's leading, who's directing what's going on. I mean, you know, God is a God of order, and there's authority that goes all the way up and down. Um, but Josh was warning them of these things, right? And he's also telling them to stay on the path, right? Don't go to the left or to the right. So if you, if you go out and you're hiking in the woods, if you're not really familiar with the area, what, do you normally, what, what would you do? Do you just go hike off in the woods? Go on a trail, right? So you know if there's a trail and you can follow the trail, you can follow the trail out, right? And it may go all kinds of different ways and you might not have a very good sense of direction. You might not realize where you are, but if you stay on the trail, you can turn around and find your way back, right? Or if it's a loop trail, you know that this trail takes you to a certain place and it brings you back, right? What, what's an analogy to that in our lives as Christians? God's word, right? God's word is like, it's like, it's directions for us. It's, it's a trail map. And so we need to look at our map and understand where God wants us to go and the things God wants us to do and not go do all of the other things, right? And how, how many of you gone out and, and been hiking and are not on a trail and looking at a map and you think you know where you are and you're actually two ridge lines over and you don't realize it and you're going off? And I've done that. I've never been permanently lost, but I have found myself, you know, you know, momentarily disoriented. Um, and it happens, right? And so Joshua's trying to talk to the, to the Hebrew people and say, don't look at these other people. Don't do what they're doing. Don't listen to what they're saying is in control, right? Don't, don't follow their gods. Don't associate with them. Don't, don't make sacrifices. Don't do all these things that they're telling you is normal because it's not what God wants you to do. God wants them to know what to do by the word that he's given them, right? 
And so Joshua's telling him, you need to stay on the path. Don't go to the left or to the right. Don't mix with these people. Don't, don't do these things you're not supposed to do, and you're going to be okay. Right? And, and God describes in here, you know, that, that they fought these battles and that one of these Hebrew men, you know, can take on a thousand of the, pagan, of the, you know, the Canaanites because this is what God has set up for them. But what does he tell them if they don't do the right thing? Things are not going to go well, right? He says, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you. But they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes. Right? And that's true in, in our lives as well. If there's something we're not supposed to do and we get involved in that and we start spending more and more time doing that, that very thing that's ungodly, that's drawing us away from God, that's becoming an idol in our lives, right? And does, does an idol have to be something that you would, you would just sit back and look, look at and say, well, this is really a horrible thing. Does it have to be that? It, can have, it could be, have wheels. You know, work, work is good, right? God invented work. God gave Adam work to do in the Garden of Eden. Is work bad? No, work is good. We're made to work. When does work become an idol? When you, ne when you neglect your family, if, if you start, you know, Right? You put it above God. Anything that you're putting above God, anything that you're elevating above God and his word becomes an idol, right? And so these are warnings. And right now, Josh was trying to warn the Hebrew people that you need to continue on and follow what God says, right? And, and God will see as we move through, God's going to tell them to do certain things. They're not going to do it, and then there are these consequences that they're going to suffer, right? And and we've seen that all along, right? And it and it it happens because last week we talked about Achan and the Battle of Ai, right? So the Battle of Jericho went really well, didn't it? The people, for the most part, everybody obeyed and everybody did what they were supposed to, and through you know God's miraculous power, the walls of Jericho fall and they take the city, and Rahab and her family are saved. But that one guy, Achan, sinned and he was disobedient to God and he took gold and silver and a nice cloak, a mantle, and he didn't give it to the Lord's treasury. He hid it for himself, right? And what happened then with the Battle of Ai? They lost, right? And 36 guys were killed. And so they had to repent from that. So Joshua's just telling them, you know, keep in mind that you need to make sure that you're following what God is asking you to do. Um, part of this, and we, you know, and I, and I talked about, you know, there's, there's, you know, love, loyalty, and obedience, because when we, we talk about Old Testament stuff, God gave the people law, right? There was the law, there's the Ten Commandments, there's all of the, the feasts and the festivals and all those things that they were supposed to follow, right, to be obedient to God. Um, and are we still under that law? No. It's, it's different for us, right? Because God has taken the law and changed that so that it's, you know, it's difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant. But if you look at 1 John chapter 5, it talks a little bit about, you know, what it means to be under the New Covenant. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. So 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. 
Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so there, you know, when we think about loyalty and loving God, loving God and being obedient to God are, are very much intertwined with one another, right? And it tells us right here in verse, verse three that when we keep his, you know, the love of God is that we keep his commandments, you know? And so people sometimes think about, well, what do I need to do? You know, I, I want to be obedient to God. I want God to love me. I, I want to do those things. By being obedient and doing the things that he calls us to do is how we show love to God. It's how we honor and respect him is that we're obedient. When we're disobedient, it has the exact opposite effect, right? Is we're, we're telling God, you're not important to me because I'm not going to be obedient to you. I know better than you and all those different kinds of things. And, and part of the reason God gave his people in the Old Testament the law, and that's part of what's important as they're living amongst these other tribes, is what did the law do for God's people? It, it protected them. And it did show them there were sinners, right? It, the law sets a standard, right? And it's God's standard. And it says, if you're not doing these things, then you're, you know, you're disobedient and, and you're a sinner, right? Now, um, part of that too is God, God gave people in the Old Testament the law to set them apart, right? Because the things that God asked them to do were very different than what all these other tribes did, right? What's one thing that you can think of that God gave Abraham and he told him he needed to do that was very different, that was a sign that they were Hebrew people? The circumcision, right? And, and that's one of those things that God asked them to do, right? As, as believers in the one true God, they just worshiped one God, right? What, what's a common thing among the pagan religions? Idol worship, but they have a God for everything, Right? They have a sun god and a god for water and a fertility god and a god of love and a god of war and all these other gods, right? And that's a sign of that. It's very different, right? And people raised in those types of religions, the polytheistic religions, they don't understand how can you just have one god, right? But we know we can have one god because our god is all-powerful, right? He is the one who spoke things into existence. He's the self-existent one, the, the great I am, right? And so part of this is, is, you know, they need to understand that God's calling them to be different through the law. And by being obedient to the law, they're showing God that they love and that, that they're being respectful of him. And if they'll do that, you know, God's going to take care of them and things are going to work out for them. And so, you know, Joshua has pointed out to them you know, this is, it's, if you think about that, right, he talked to them about, these are the things God has done for you. This is what he's doing for you now. And then he's going to, we're going to look at, um, read verses 14 through 16. Joshua's going to tell them, this is what God's going to do for you in the future. So again, back in Joshua 23, starting in verse 14. Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you, not one of them has failed. 
It shall come about that just as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you have come upon you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he has destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he has commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you will perish quickly from off the good land which he has given you. And so here Joshua is, is helping the, the people remember. So what does he say about what God had promised them up to that point? They've all been fulfilled. Every single thing that God has promised them has come true, right? And so Joshua's hoping that they connect the dots, that if you continue to do what you're supposed to do, God will fulfill all of the future promises, right? But he also tells them, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, what will God do? Take it away. He will punish them, right? And, you know, God is faithful, right? Faithfulness is an attribute of God. He keeps his promises. Many times the promises that God gives us have conditions, right? You know, even just going back to the battle of Jericho, um, you know, God said, if you do these things in the order that I tell you to do them, you will be successful. And they did that and they were successful in Jericho, right? And we can look back. There are lots of examples where God has given instruction to the Hebrew people. They obey and it works out well. But there's just as many examples of them not doing what they're supposed to do and not being successful and suffering consequences of what's happening, right? If, um, if you'll turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And so none of this should be a revelation or a new thing to the Hebrew people because um, you know, the, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, were written by Moses, right? And so we're past the death of Moses. So all these are written. So all this stuff is written down. Deuteronomy is a book where um, a lot of Deuteronomy comprises speeches that Moses gave the people. And then before he died, he wrote them down. So this is things that people had heard, and it's written down. And so they know this, but we, we don't have time to read all of Deuteronomy chapter 28. But I'm going to read some, some sections out of that. So I'm going to read the first um, couple of verses here. Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. And then he, he starts to recount all of these blessings he's going to give them. And they're spiritual blessings and physical blessings on the earth. They're going to have, you know, healthy families and, um, you know, their animals will have lots of offspring and their crops won't fail. They're going to have plenty to eat. All of these different blessings and things he's going to give them, right? If what? If they obey God, if they do everything they're supposed to do, it's going to go really, really well for them. And they're going to be very blessed. But if you skip down to verse 13, it says, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you only will be above, and you will not be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully, and do not turn aside any of the words which I command you today, to the right 
or to the left or to go after other gods to serve them, right? And then it says in 15, but it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes with which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then, you know, there's another 30, 35 verses of all the bad things that are going to happen if they do not follow the commandments of God, if they're not obedient to God and do what they're told to do. And so none of this should be a surprise, but Josh was just wanting to remind them of this because God is faithful, right? God carries out his promises and his promises to the Hebrew people are, if you're obedient and you do what I'm asking you to do, you will live in this promised land, the land of milk and honey, and none of your enemies will be able to defeat you and it's going to go very well. But if you turn away from me and you're disobedient, life's not going to be so good, right? And so we all have the luxury of the full canon of scripture, right? So who can tell me what happens? And we're going to study about it, but who can tell me what happens with these people? They don't obey. And in about 800 years, God punishes them. The Babylonians come and they destroy Jerusalem and they haul them off to Babylon, right? Because people are people, right? We all do what we're not supposed to do, try as we might, right? Paul has some very good description of, you know, he does what he doesn't want to do and he can't do what he knows he wants to do. Um, and that can be discouraging, can't it, right? Because we sit here and we go, well, they watched all these miraculous things that God did for them and they still couldn't. How can I ever do what I'm supposed to do? Well, how can we do what we're supposed to do? We have the strength of the Holy Spirit. As believers, we are indwelled, right? And something else to think about, a lot of these punishments, a lot of this stuff is, Old Testament is the law, right? And, and there's, there are these punishments, but we talked a little bit about the difference between the Old Testament and the law and the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, right? So a lot of what happens in the Old Testament is when you disobey, you're destroyed. Things are gone. You're wiped out, right? How is the New Covenant similar but different to that? Think about that. Think about believers and unbelievers. Because what's God? what does God promise us today? Fellowship with him, right? What, what, what is... What is this week we're about to enter, starting with today? It's Holy Week, right? So today's Palm Sunday, and then we're going to go through, and we're going to have, you know, Good Friday. And, and if you think about all those things, God promises eternal life, right? Just like God promised the Hebrew people, you're going to live in this land of milk and honey, and things are going to be awesome. But you have to hold up your end of the bargain, meaning you have to make the right choices. So as people on earth today... Is, is, is the promise of eternal life withheld from anyone? No. Salvation is for everyone. Everyone can be saved. But what do you have to do? Believe in the Lord Jesus, right? You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's the Son of God, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and you claim Him as your Savior, right? So... He does want us to, and there, there are follow-on things, right? Because, and if you think about it, if you go back to the Hebrew people, 
really before they could be obedient to God and follow his law, which is very different from everybody else they see, what did they have to believe in? God, right? They had to believe. So think about, I mean, there are Hebrew kids who are nine, and they're like, you know, mom and dad, you tell me, I don't, you know, why is there a God? How do I believe in that? They have the same struggles that we have, right? God is God. Um, different because Old Testament and the law, and it was much more, much more rigid and laid out, which for some people is awesome, right? Some people really like structure and they like having all this, right? We don't necessarily have that kind of structure like they had, right? But we still have to do the same things, right? God still expects us to follow the Ten Commandments, doesn't he? He still expects us to be obedient to him and to call, you know, he calls us to do what he wants us to do. But what's different about our salvation when we're talking about, right? Because this is them living in the promised land. What's different about us, right? Because the new Jerusalem and the new earth, that's really the final, final promised land, right? So what's different about as a believer? When you become a believer, what's different than someone? Because back in the day, right, you could be a very good Jew and you could follow all the law and you could do all the sacrifices and you could kind of go off the rails, right, and, and stop doing things, and you would lose, lose all of that. But as a, as, as a believer, can you lose your salvation? No, right? And so that, that's a permanent reward, if you will. When you believe and you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and God has put a symbol on you, right, that's part of what the Holy Spirit is, is you are marked as a believer. You cannot be taken from God. If you look in... Um, John chapter 10, this is where John is talking, you know, John's recording Jesus talking about the good shepherd. And it's a really, if, you know, we can't read all of chapter 10, but if you're ever feeling discouraged, you should read John chapter 10 about Christ telling us he is the good shepherd in all of the ways that he takes care of us. But in there, Christ all talks, it also talks about, you know, we're his what? He's the shepherd. We're his sheep, right? And that in itself says a lot. How many here have dealt with sheep? What are sheep like? They, they can be hard-headed. What happens if one, if one of your sheep gets out? What do all the sheep do? They, they go out, right? They stay together, right? You know, what happens when something terrible is about to happen? What do sheep do? They freeze. They don't, you know, they... Sheep are not good survivors. Sheep are an animal looking for a place to die, right? What are people? Sinners looking for a place to sin, basically, right? I mean, that's what we are. Without the good shepherd, without God and his word and Christ's work on the cross, without all that leading us to be where we're supposed to go, we're going to go off and do the wrong thing. You can almost guarantee it. But what I wanted to get to was if you look at, so so in this, you know, and, and Jesus is, is, is talking to the disciples, but he's also talking to the Jews. And then um, they're at the Feast of the Dedication that took place in Jerusalem. And so Christ is talking to the Jewish people. And they're asking him, are you really the Christ? And he's been telling them all this, and they're not getting it. Um, but if, if, you, if you pick up in uh, verse 25, so they're asking him if he's the Christ. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe me, the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so here, you know, if anybody ever talks to you about, you know, oh, did I lose my salvation, or how does that work? That is a very plain description of once you are saved, you can't lose your salvation. No matter how far off the rails you go, no matter how many bad choices you make, right? If you were truly saved, right? If you accepted Christ as your Savior, when you do that, that's it, right? And also, right, just like the Hebrew people, when Joshua was admonishing them, right? How many do you think of the Hebrew people, they're hearing what Joshua was reminding them is going to happen if they do the wrong thing. How many of you think that there were some of the Hebrew people that are going, eh, I don't care, I'm going to go do what I want. Most of the people hearing this and being reminded that if you don't obey, things are going to go bad. They're all saying, I'm going to obey. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do the right thing, right? Just like when we get saved, our intent is to be Christ-like and do the right thing, right? And if we're diligent and we're discipled and we're given the support we need, and we, again, do like what Mary Lou said, if we try to walk with Christ, we can be successful in that, right? But if you get saved and you go right back to hanging out with your unsaved friends and doing all the things you're not supposed to do, are you going to have very much success in, in walking like Christ and living an obedient life to God? No. It's going to be very, very hard for you, right? So just looking back at some of this, and, and when we think through, one of the things that the lesson wanted to talk about was, as believers, we're safe, right? And once we're saved, we can't be unsaved. And how much of our sin has Christ paid for? All of it. All sin for all time, right? So even, even though we're not going to try on Wednesday not to sin, if we sin, Christ has already paid for that, right? What is the temptation for people to do then, no, having that knowledge? They'll sin anyway, right? It's, I, I've heard it referred to as cheap grace, right? Because Christ's you know, work on the cross and God's forgiveness is greater than any of our sin, right? Well, then why don't I, you know, and if I'm saved, I can't lose my salvation. Well, I can still go do whatever I want, knowing in the end God's going to keep his promise and I'm going to be saved. So what, what's wrong with that thinking? And, true, right? Because we all the sin that Christ suffered for is our fault. And this, this really jumps off into some really deep theological stuff about, right, because God already knows what we're going to do, right, and, and that. But right, and, and part of it, I think, well, Dina, did you have something? And, right, and right, so really, if you know, and, and, and this is difficult because once you get saved, you don't get a special membership card, there's no special handshake, you don't get a cool Dakota ring. It's, it's a change in your heart, right? Because we, what do we as people, what do we as people see in other people? What can you look at? Fruit. You can see the outside of them. You can see what they do and how they behave and how they react in certain situations and what they spend their time doing, right? Is that in and of itself an indication of salvation? No, because it's a heart thing, right? 
and, and this is really, it's, it's always been hard for me to understand. And I, I have faith in God, right? Because Christ judges us. He looks at our heart and he knows. What you would hope is that someone, when they are saved, they are serious about this. And they are seriously accepting that they are a sinner. And if they don't repent and accept Christ as their savior, so that his work on the cross pays for your sin, you are going to be eternally separated from God. If you make that decision and you truly made that, I don't see how you don't start to change your life, right? How you don't behave differently towards people, how you don't change how you react in situations, right? If you have a horrible temper, hopefully as you are sanctified through God's good work and your effort at being more Christ-like is that when you hit your thumb with the hammer, instead of throwing the hammer and swearing really badly is you, you know, bite your tongue and you don't throw the hammer and you think more about concentrating on the nail of the head and where the hammer is going to go so it doesn't hit your thumb. Right. So we can all change and do those things. And hopefully, like like Paige said, there's fruit of the spirit. When someone accepts Christ as their savior and they tell people that, that they change in their ways and you start to see them be more loving towards one another and they have more patience and they're kinder and they do more good things and they start acting more like Christ. Now, it's not an overnight change. and They don't change immediately, but you can have people who accept Christ as their savior and they start and then for whatever reason, they just revert back to all their you know, bad behaviors. So, but we as people can't look at someone and say, well, you, you said you were saved, but you're obviously not saved because of the way you're acting. Because it's not, that's not what salvation is. Right. Yes. He does, and definitely. And I, I agree with what Daryl said about grace. Because we're, you know, we, we willingly accept God's grace for our sin, right? And we are very thankful for that. But also, we're taught to forgive as we are forgiven. So if we think about everything that God has forgiven us for, and he's given us that grace, that's how we're able to do what, what Christ calls us to do, right? And he condensed the Ten Commandments down to two things. What, what are those two things? Yep, love, love God and love your neighbor, right? And are we only called to love believers, or are we supposed to love everybody? We love everybody, right? How do you possibly love someone who's been very through the grace of God, through stepping back and saying, I, I'm a sinner and I have done these things in my life. And yet God has forgiven me and Christ, his son, was obedient to die on the cross to pay for my sins. So they did that for me. I see this person and I see the way they're behaving towards me. I know I need to love them and pray for them. And so I can, you know, hopefully by understanding where I stand between, you know, with Christ and God and the mercy they had for me, I can give this person who I hope is trying to be better, some grace and some mercy. Right. And, and that I think is a very powerful thing. When we, when we love our neighbors as ourselves, you know, when we, when we forgive them as we're forgiven and that, you know, as, as Daryl talked about somebody who has, you know, repetitive sin in their life and they're really struggling with living the Christian life. When other Christians come alongside them and give them that grace and that understanding, it helps them see that. And I think that's true. I think they get, everybody gets to that point where you really get that understanding of your need to change. And then it's that step of faith that 
God will help you do that. And through those circumstances that Mary Lou talked about, God puts you where he needs you to learn and to do what you need to do. And sometimes that's for the benefit of someone else, that you're going to go through a trial, but you're going to behave and act in a Christ-like way and model what you're supposed to do. So someone else can look at that and say, wow, that's, that's amazing they did that and, and they are Christian. And, and I talked to them and they told me I could do that because God helped me do that. God helped me make it through this and behave in this way because I can't do it on my own, right? And that's part of what we have to do as Christians and believers is, is our testimony and our witness is to give honor and glory to God, to tell people, I can do this, not because I'm me, but I can do this because of the God I believe in, because of the strength he gives me, because he's told me he'll give me what I need and that he'll see me through this trial. It is. Okay. We are. Yep, exactly. We're supposed to learn. And that's, and that's why we're studying this. And that's why God, right? If, if God didn't think the Old Testament was important, would it be, would we have the Old Testament? We wouldn't. He gave us exactly what he need right god knows exactly what we need he knows what stories we needed to know because there's there are lots and lots and lots of other stories right and it's it's in the bible that not everything that jesus did is written down for us but the parts that we need to know god made sure was written down for us so we have to have faith and trust in god that he's given us what we need we just need to have and, and act in the way that he's calling us to act so we're going to go ahead and, and end it there